And uh, if you came and you're looking for encouragement, uh, this passage is encouraging. I know that you may hear these words about death and dying, and it may seem all gloom and doom, uh, but there's good news in the light of it. And so hang with me until we get there this morning. Uh, A few weeks ago, I met with my doctor, and my doctor did some lab work, and uh, he called me a few days later and said, hey, let's touch base, let's talk about this, and everything was good for the first 45 minutes. We sat there, we talked about the lab work, everything was looking great, and then, uh, hey, I just want you to know, though, this one marker here in lipoprotein A um, is extremely elevated. And uh, there's not a lot of knowledge about lipoprotein A. In fact, like only in the last five or six years have a lot of doctors began to study it. Uh, But your chances of cardiovascular risk are uh, highly elevated. And not only that, uh, it's, it's hereditary lipoprotein A, and there's nothing you can do about it. And uh, I hope you have a great day. And, and that was the conversation. And I was like, wow, this is, he's like, you know, we should look up some information. We should check some things. And so I'm going, okay. Um, he just told me that I'm at high chance. So later on that afternoon, had a friend over working out with me. And uh, we're working out in the garage. And I was like, hey, so uh, I found out I'm dying today. And I, I don't mean to minimize that, but in, in some ways, I was very honest, and I just said, hey, I, I found out I'm dying today, and uh, he so graciously said, aren't we, aren't we all dying? And then I, I talked to my other friend a few days later, and I said, yeah, I found out I got this weird hereditary thing going on with my heart, and chances of cardiovascular risk are highly elevated, and I found out I'm dying, and he goes, yeah, so am I. And I'm like, man, those are terrible friends, right? Those are my friends. And so they, they come, and, and the truth is, is, it's exactly true. We are all dying. Now, let me give you the end of that story, okay? Because I, I went, I had further lab work. It, it's still there, but, and I have no control over it. I have no control to be able to minimize it, to change it in some sense. Um, but we're, we're finding out, are there other factors involved? Uh, we did do a follow-up and, and check, and like what this does is this creates calcium on the arteries of your heart, and there was none, and so that's good news. So today, I'm probably not going to die of, of a cardiovascular event, um, but it's, it's possible. What Dr. Solomon here is going to tell us, because Solomon's going to be a doctor in this passage, and he's basically saying, we're all dying. We're all dying. The question is, who is living? Who is living? I love it this morning because uh, we gathered in this back over here in the corner and we, we prayed this morning. And uh, I think it was Chris Jones who said, I, I've just been three times this week. The Lord was just telling me, like, we need to worship. We need to really worship. And I love that in light of today's passage because this passage, I know we've talked about, like, enjoying life and, and having fun. And that's been something that he's touched on, Solomon has touched on throughout this series. But this is where he very urgently tells us, guys, you got to live. You got to live. And the only way you can really live is if you face death. If you look death in the eyes and go, I'm not afraid. Why? Because death was arrested. 
There's, God's given us the ability to, to look death in the face and go, I, I can have no fear. Who is living? Who is living? You're dying, but you're not dead. So what are you going to do with the life that you have left? One of, uh, one of my good friends, his name's Wade Morris, and uh, Wade passed away this last year. 51 years old, active marathon runner, and uh, had a blood clot due from COVID, and, and he passed away this last year. Uh, Wade was a, a traveling evangelist, and so Wade, Wade traveled all over. I mean, 150 times a year he was on the road uh, leading youth events and, and seeing thousands and thousands and thousands of students give their life to Jesus. And Wade, when I was a student pastor, Wade uh, got to do a lot of events with us in our student ministry uh, back in Texas. And Wade would always do this thing at the end of when he, he got done preaching, kind of a, an, an old Baptist way of, of kind of giving an invitation was always to say, if you were to die tonight, Billy Graham used to do this, if you were to die tonight, do you know where you would go? And really just trying to, to bring to a point of decision, if you were to die, if you were to die, if you were to die, and one of the things that Wade used to always ask, what if you live? What if you live until tomorrow? What are you going to do? And that's what Solomon addresses here. Solomon doesn't hold back any of the truth and the reality of, of life. He, he really just kind of aims right in and hits the target and says, here's what's true about all of mankind. Let's read this together. Chapter 9, verse 1 through 3. It says this. But all this I laid to heart. And so again, you know, I, we've, we've talked about, he's, he's reflecting here. But all this I laid to heart, examining it all, how the righteous and the wise and their deeds are in the hand of God. Now, that, that line right there is meant to bring comfort. The fact that we're in the hands of God, the righteous and the wise, that's good news out of the gate. Because that tells us that God is, there's nothing that can happen to us that hasn't gone through God. That's great news. The, the fact that there, there's, no, there's no evil, there's no sickness, there's no harm. Uh, knowing it's not like God had his back turned and like, oh, you got one of my kids. No, like he's, he's very aware. We are in his hands. This passage is meant to bring comfort out of the gates. We're in his hands, whether it's love or hate. And basically, we're, we're going to experience love and evil, good and evil in all of our life. If we've been sold the lie, the prosperity gospel, that if you just give your life to Jesus, if you trust, if you go to church, if you read your Bible, then nothing is ever going to harm you. There's going to be no suffering. And anyone who says that hasn't read the Bible. Jesus himself suffered. Jesus himself said that, that, that there's going to be, if you're a follower of Jesus, there's going to be no place to lay your head. Jesus himself said, Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you. There's going to be suffering, both good and evil. We're going to experience both. It said it's the same for all. Since the same event happens to the righteous, to the wicked, to the good, to evil, to the clean, to the unclean, to him who sacrifices, to him who doesn't sacrifice. 
As the good one is, so is the sinner. He who swears is as he who shuns an oath. This is an evil in all that is done under the sun, that the same event happens to all. Okay, same event, death. That's it. What he, what he summarizes in, like the great equalizer for all of us, that when you walked in those doors this morning and you sat down here, the thing that is true about every single one of us, we, we, we look different, we, we, we live different, we, we have different jobs, we have different names, we have different hair, we, some of us don't have hair. I, there's so many different, but the, the thing that is the same, the same event that happens to all, you're all dying. Let's pray. Let's go home, right? Like, that's, that's the heaviness of this passage is, is you're all dying. You're dying. And many of us, look at this moment and we go, we fear that moment. When we walk in and we sit across from a doctor and a doctor looks us in the eyes and says, you have cancer, you're dying. And the truth is, is none of us need to go to a doctor to discover that. You are closer to death since the moment you walked in those doors. We are all dying. I've been there for that moment. Not only did my doctor tell me that a few weeks ago, but I sat there in 2016 when my parents moved here. My mom at that time just had mild dementia. We took her to the University of Utah. They did all of these crazy brain scans. And I saw a doctor walk in the room and very abruptly look her in the eyes and say, you, you have early onset Alzheimer's. You're dying. You have five to ten years left. And that's traumatic. To, to be faced with that type of news is, is traumatic. To be, to be experiencing that, that sense of finality, that sense... Of, of going, there, there's no way to avoid it. There's no way to run from it. There's nowhere to hide. There's nowhere to go. Like, what do I do with this news? But to weep, but to cry, to experience loss. And all of those are, are real emotions. And, and, and many of us who have experienced that moment, maybe with loved ones, or maybe even with yourself, it's scary, it's traumatic. We're all dying. Why do we die? Tells us in the next passage, still in verse 3. It says, The hearts of the children of man are full of evil, and madness is in their hearts while they live, and after that they go to the dead. The reason you and I die is because through sin, sin brings about death. In Romans chapter 5, verse 12, it's a picture of Adam. It says, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, Adam, originally Adam, and death came through sin, and so death spread to all men because all men sinned. 
And we're like, well, who chose Adam to be our represent, like, representative? Right? Death enters through this one man named Adam. And because Adam sinned, like death and sin spread throughout all the world. And I'm like, I want a, I want a different representative. I want, I want someone else. And what's great about that text is if you keep reading in Romans 5, it says, just as death came through one man, life came through one man, Jesus. And the reason why we all are infected with this this sin and this evilness in our hearts is because you chose Adam as your representative when you chose sin. We pledged our allegiance to Adam when we chose to sin. We said, we're going to follow our father, Adam. And that's why we need Jesus. That's the reason we die. But it goes on, it says but in verse 4, but he who is joined with all the living has hope. And I love this idea in verse 4 and verse 5. It compares the idea of hope to someone who, who ends up dying and the dead know nothing and they have no more reward. There's nothing else to look forward to. The idea of having hope is that there's something to look forward to. Let me ask you, what do you have to look forward to? A person without hope is someone who doesn't have anything to look forward to. We're to have something to look forward to. We're to have something that, that, that we're looking out in, in the horizon. There's something on the horizon that we, we say is glorious. It's, it's worthy of praise. It's worthy of worship. There's some reason to, to give God praise for His goodness. There's something on the horizon. And he uses this proverb that a living dog is better than a dead lion. You know, you, you, lion, you think about a lion in all of his, you know, just the strength and beauty and, 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 and compared to a dog. And it's like, but even a, a dog, a, a, a dog that's alive is better than a dead lion. And it's, it's, it's this sense of, of, of hope. While you're alive, you, you have this sense of hope. For the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing, and they have no more reward, for the memory of them is forgotten. Their love and their hate and their envy has already perished, and forever they have no more shall share in all that is done under the sun. And so what's interesting about this passage is Solomon is going to bring this news and then he's going to turn the corner here in the next few verses. And that's where I want to kind of focus our time remaining. What do you do with the days you have left? We don't know how many those days are. The Lord does. And, and that's good news because we're in his hands. The Lord knows the number of our days. But what do we do with the days we have left? How do we enjoy God's good gifts in this world? I love C.S. Lewis. He said, every pleasure is a channel of adoration. So often we look at pleasures in the world and, and, and maybe in some sense of spirituality, we think that we're to shun the pleasures of the world. But here Solomon instructs us to enjoy the pleasures of the world. And I think it would do us... And I think it would serve us well to, to look at this. 
when you face death, it changes how you live life. Your church that you're a part of here is led, three out of the five pastors have, have lost parents in the last year. Experiencing death, you've probably lost loved ones and people that you cared about, but experiencing death changes the way that you live. And what Solomon's going to instruct us in is there are some ways that you're called to live in the face of death. And here's how I'd illustrate it. Simply taking the command that he gives in each one of these next few sentences. Go, show, love, and do. That's where we're going to focus. Go, verse 7. Go, eat your bread with joy. And drink your, your wine with a merry heart, for God has already approved of what you do. Go, eat your bread. Go. It's urgent. This is, this is the urgency that Solomon's speaking. Don't wait. If you're saying, I'm too busy to enjoy things, then you're too busy. There, there's a sense in which we have no idea the days we have left. We are all dying. And so we are to stop and pause. And I love where this quote from C.S. Lewis came, that, that every pleasure in the world is a channel of adoration. He talks about the simple things of like bread and butter. Come on, right? Bread and butter, a bird singing. I sat out on my back porch. It was freezing cold the other day, but I'm like, come on, spring. I love the sun. I'm a fan of the sun, and a bird came, and I had like my heater turned on, and, and the bird landed on the heater, you know, and it was like, dude, you're going to get fried. So he like took off, right? And I'm like, I'm just sitting there taking all this in, and I'm like, this is great. And this is what C.S. Lewis is talking about. He goes, you know, you're, you're, you're experiencing the wind and the power and bread and butter and like all these good things, and people who are gluten, you know, you're like can't enjoy bread and butter. Someday you will in the new kingdom. It's going to be awesome. And, and, and just all these simple pleasures. And he says, go and eat of these things, enjoy of these things. And I find it fascinating that in Acts chapter 2, verse 46, when Peter preaches at Pentecost and the Holy Spirit comes and lives are changed, it gives an illustration of the church and it says, they broke bread and they received their food with glad and generous hearts. This was a picture of that, that church that had been filled with the Holy Spirit and filled with life that they were enjoying. They were sitting down and they were like, oh, isn't life good? And what Solomon is saying is, we got to go and do that. We need to go. We need to prioritize this. We need to bring these celebratory moments. And I was, I was sharing this. Amber always gets to hear the sermon before the sermon. And so I'm sharing this, and I, I'm, I'm definitely one who would love to focus on the highlights and avoid any like sense of sadness or lament or sorrow. And she's like, yeah, but there's suffering in the world, you know, and like we need to think about that. I'm going, yeah, but how do you live in light of the suffering? And I feel like Solomon addresses that. There is real suffering. There is real loss. Death is coming. But if all we do is sit and dwell on the loss and all we sit and do is just live and, and feel in this place of sorrow, then we are not experiencing the life that God has called us to live. He said, come and experience joy 
fullness of life. And someone needs to tell us it's okay to experience that. In the midst of suffering, in the midst of pain, God has given you the ability to experience joy in the midst of it. You have to choose it. And so this is an appropriate response. We're to celebrate over the simple things. I told you earlier uh, this year, our family went to Hawaii. It was like one of our first vacations like as a, as a family all together. Like we, it, was, it was awesome. We planned it in like two weeks. And it was like, hey, last minute, let's go. I just want to celebrate what the Lord has done in this last year. And God has done so many things. And, and for us to go and really spend a week together and celebrate and just like, this is what God's calling us into. It's not to say that everybody needs to go take a trip to Hawaii, but I'm going, you need to put on your calendar, celebrate. How do you celebrate? How do you look back and remember how God has been so faithful? How, how do you show gratitude in anything, if I worship Hawaii or if I worship vacation, it's going to be misplaced. Everything is meant to be in adoration and praise. It's a channel to adoration. Everything is a channel. Hawaii was a channel to give thanks to God, to just say, God, thank you. And so we're there, and like my, my son, Jackson, he's always wanted a, a little puppy. We have a bigger puppy. And I was like, let's get a puppy, all right? And Amber was like, yeah, let's get one. I was like, oh, really? Okay, that's great. So I, I like went on KSL. I'm like, we, here he is. Like, we're going to get this dog when we get back. And so we get back. We named him Moki, which means God is good. And it's like we wanted this to be a tangible reminder, God is good. God is good. And we should go and celebrate that. We're to celebrate. Second thing he says, we're to go. We're to show. Let your garments be always white. Let not oil be lacking on your head. There's a reason why I wore this tie-dye t-shirt today. Okay? Some of you, I, it was an experiment. You, I walked in the door and people were like, whoa, you are so bright today. Man, tie-dye, like throwing it back. That's awesome. I, this is the first tie-dye shirt I've ever owned. All right, And I'm telling you, when I put it on this morning, it changed my demeanor. I looked in the mirror, and I was like, today is good. We're feeling pretty good. And I walked down the hallway, and I'm not kidding you. People, like, their face lit up. And I probably received 15 to 20 comments this morning just by my shirt. There was something about, like, putting this on. That, that people, like, they saw it, they con- it's out of the ordinary, and they're like, hey, Greg Platner, he gave me the biggest smile ever. He's still smiling back there, right? <laughs> Pointing him out. It's like, this is, this is maybe my, like, 2022 version of let your garments always be white, okay? Here's what I mean by that. When we look all throughout the Old Testament, New Testament, if I can kind of give you two places where this idea of oil, like letting, uh, let not the oil on your head be lacking, let not, uh, you know, you're, you're changing your garments. There's, there's a couple different places, and I'll just point to one, Old Testament, New Testament. The first one is right after David lost a child in 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 20. He just heard, he overheard people whispering right before then, and he found out his child had died. 
And it says in 2 Samuel 12, 20, it says, Then David arose from the earth, washed and anointed himself, changed his clothes, and he went into the house of the Lord and worshipped. He groomed himself for worship. He prepared himself for worship. There was a, a changing of his posturing that, that he stepped in. And he went to his own house, and when asked, they set food before him, and he ate. I don't have verse 21 on, but you should go read 21 because they're like, what's wrong with you? The people that were there, like when they saw him walk in, they're like, when he was alive, you were mourning. But now that he's dead, you've changed your clothes. You've walked in. You've prepared yourself. You've groomed. You're, you've, what, what's go, how, how does this, and he, they're processing this. And it's fascinating that there was literally, when he walked in, they noticed something. There was a, a difference. Also, we can, we can jump forward into Matthew chapter 6, verse 17. And this is a picture where, where uh, they were fasting. They were called to fast. Now, if you've ever uh, fasted, it's, I'll say it's, it's not enjoyable sometimes. Fasting is hard. And it's easy to walk around with gloom on your face and be angry with people, all right? Like, not even fasting. I, we've had to do whole 30, and I thought my life was going to be over, right? I mean, it's just, it's challenging. I want to be able to eat what I want to eat. And, and this idea that Jesus talks to them about how they would carry themselves when they're fasting, it wasn't meant to draw attention. That's the idea. When, when they were fasting, it was easy to walk around and kind of the gloom and doom be upon your face. But here he says, when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen. Truly I see. Uh, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face. There was this picture of going... Like the way you present yourself, don't draw attention to yourself like, hey, guys, I'm fasting. And there was, there was a sense of going like, let what you show, what you portray. And it's not to put on a false image. That's not what he's describing. But if we have reason to celebrate, I love what you said, Chris, when you just said like, we should, should tell our bodies to move a little bit and worship, right? Like we should, and I love that this morning, like as we started, there was clapping, there was singing, there was raising of hands. Like we're to illustrate with our bodies the fact that, yes, death is coming and we're all going to die. But the reality is death's been arrested and he's come to give resurrected life to us and that we can celebrate. We're not the dead people who have no reward. We still have something that we can look forward to, that we can put our hope in, in knowing that we're going to be resurrected from the grave and we're going to be with Jesus forever. And so that good news should move us and posture us. I'm in a, a cohort right now with a, a group of pastors, and they call it the three F's club, okay? Three F's, three things that pastors struggle with, all right? If you want to know what they are, here they are. Finances, friends, and fun, okay? This is what I'm in. And every week we have homework talking about finances, friends, and fun. And, and we're navigating that. And what's interesting is on this idea of fun, our homework a few weeks ago was to study fun. Now, it seems like a really, for some of you, you're like, oh, what a drag, you know? Like, I'm like, that's awesome, study fun. 
And one of the guys in my cohort began sharing. He's like, you know what? To study fun, I got a friend who's really fun. And as he started talking about that friend, I'm watching his face on my little Zoom screen there. And like his face is lighting up. When he thinks about this person, his face lights up. Because this friend of his just illustrates through all of his life that there's reason to be joyful. There's reason to celebrate. And so we're to show that. We're to show that. Next, verse 9. Enjoy life with the wife whom you love all the days of your vain life that he has given you under the sun because that's your portion in life and in your toil which you toil under the sun. Let me give you a broader understanding of that. Like, love people well. Live in the context like you have relationships right now. Love them. Whether they're co-workers, whether they're neighbors, whether they're roommates, whether they're people you haven't talked to in weeks, but like love them well. You have an opportunity to, to love. There was an opportunity before us. I, I, I looked up, uh, I came across an article this week that was the top regrets of people faced with death. In their last few moments of life, uh, they came up with four, and here they are. To, I wish I would have had more courage to be true to myself, not what others expect of me. I wish I hadn't worked so hard and given more of my life to the people I love. I wish I would have given more to relationships and friendships. I wish I would have had more fun. And, and I'm going, these are lessons learned for us as we are people who are also dying. How will we love the people that are near to us? How will we love the relationship? I'm convinced more than ever that my family, my kids, my friends, in the, even just the last few months as I've studied Ecclesiastes, it has pressed me in, how do I love those people better? How do I press in and engage them even more? How do I ask more in-depth questions about how they're doing, what they're experiencing? How do I love them more? They may be gone. We never know. How do we love? And last, do. Go show love, do. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might, for there is no work or thought or knowledge of wisdom in Sheol to which you're going. Here, here's what he's saying. Um, whatever your, your hand finds to do, you better do it. It's urgent. Today is the day of opportunity. Why? Because tomorrow's not promised. In John chapter 9, verse 4, Jesus is talking about this idea of work. He said, we must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. There's coming a point in which we will no longer be able to do the things we're doing. I, I remember uh, another pastor who used to come and speak to our student ministry. He wrote a book, One Thing You Can't Do in Heaven. And the one thing you can't do in heaven is evangelize. You can't bring people with you. At that point, it's over. 
And so it's like, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Today's the day of opportunity. Today's the day. If you have a chance to do something, do it now. Do it now. This is that idea of like, we, we keep putting off the bucket list. And I think there, for some of you, maybe you're, you're not thinking in, the, in terms of the bucket list right now. Being the, the median age of Ecclesia is probably like 27. And we're like, death is so far away. And what Solomon is teaching us here is, if, you, if your hand is, is finding something, that we're to do it with all of our might. That there, is, there are things that we are to be urgent with. There are things that right now is the, 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 the time and opportunity. Right now is the moment that we are to engage, press in. Don't wait. Don't put it off. There is coming a time where you can no longer do these things. So what will you do? He says, for there is no work or thought or knowledge or wisdom in Sheol to which you are going. Sheol is a description in the Bible, is basically the place of death. The place of death, where you are going. It's described in the Bible, dark, dusty, gloomy. There's like the gates of Sheol. And what Jesus does is Jesus goes in and breaks down the gates of Sheol. And in, in Psalm 86, 13, it says that he delivered our soul from the depths of Sheol. That's what Jesus did. Jesus comes into the, the darkness of death and basic, basically gives and resurrects life. And there's no longer darkness experienced there because Jesus Christ, the light of the world, has broken in. But he talks about this idea to which you are going. And my mind couldn't stop comprehending and, and, I, and I couldn't fail to not ask this morning, where are you going? Where are you going? Death doesn't have to be the end. And a lot of times we fear death because we don't know what's beyond death. We fear death because we don't know that Jesus has offered us resurrected life. In John chapter 11, verse 25 through 26, Jesus is speaking to Martha and Mary over the death of Lazarus. And Jesus said to her, I'm the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And I think the question is there for us this morning. Do you believe this? Do you believe that you can have resurrected life? Do you believe, though... You will die. You will not experience a second death. That you will live in Jesus. He asks us this question. Do you believe this? 
And I think my greatest hope for you this morning is to know where you're going, to know that you have a hope in a future, that when you see the future, whatever exists, whether it's good or whether it's evil, whether death is just around the corner, you can live with hope. So this morning, I want you to close your eyes. I want you to seek to not be distracted. I'm going to invite the worship team back up. And I want to just process a few things with you this morning. What do you need to celebrate this week? Where do you need to take the urgency of verse 7 where it says, go? That when you walk out of these doors today, that you would go, that you would celebrate the good pleasures of God. Where do you need to go this week and illustrate and show the goodness of God in your life and how he's been good to you? Who this week do you need to love? Who this week do you need to press in and ask for forgiveness? Who this week do you just want to care for and serve? And what is it this week that you need to to go and do? That we would be urgent. Today is the day of opportunity. And then some of us this morning, I asked the same question that my friend Wade Morris would ask. Not what if you die, but what if you live? What if you live? What if you live another day? Would you give your life to Jesus? There is no greater decision you will ever make in your life but to surrender your life to Jesus, that he would be Lord over your life, that you would place your life in his hands. There's no safer place to be. It doesn't mean that we, it'll be void of suffering or void of pain, but to know that everything that you've experienced has processed through his hands. There's no safer place than to put your life in the hands of God and say, God, my life is your life. It's yours. I give you control. The Bible tells us that Jesus came, that Jesus lived a perfect life, that Jesus experienced a life without sin, that Jesus would go, he would be ridiculed, he would be mocked, He would be beaten beyond recognition. He would be placed upon a cross on public display. And there hanging upon the cross, Jesus would look down upon those who persecute him and say, Father, forgive them. Jesus' compassion upon those who were yelling out insults mocking and ridiculing. Jesus offers you the very same compassion 
That in the same way as Adam has sinned, you and I have sinned. We have put Jesus upon the cross and Jesus offers us forgiveness. That because of our sin, we earn death, but we don't have to die. Jesus has given us the opportunity for resurrected life. Jesus died upon the cross. Jesus was put upon a tomb. And here in a few weeks later, uh, we're going to celebrate Easter where Jesus rises from that tomb. Jesus appears before the disciples. Jesus appears before 500 people, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 tells us. And he shows the resurrected life and he gives them that hope. And we see a church transformed. We see the fearful disciples transformed. And we see them go and proclaim the good news of Jesus everywhere they went. Their life was changed. They had hope. They had a future security. And Jesus wants to offer you that this morning. If you have never just paused and said and and experienced what Jesus has done for you, I just want to encourage you right now to reflect upon that. In the same way, all of us will die. All of us have sinned. And we need Jesus. We need a Savior. And right now, in just the simplest way you know how, just confess your need for Jesus. Just confess, Jesus, I need you. Forgive me of my sins. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for giving your life for me. I give you my life. And I ask you to change me from the inside out. If today you would pray something like that, the Bible tells us in Romans 10 that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, he's boss, he's in control, you give him your life. And you believe that God raised him from the grave you too will be saved. You too will experience resurrected life. Though you die, you will live again. That's the good news of the Bible. That's what enables us to face death. That's what enables us to live with joy. That's what enables us to love people well. That's what enables us to seek today as the day of opportunity and want every single person we come in contact with to experience that same type of joy. Will you go and live that today? Will you live, will you live in the face of death? Jesus, we praise you and we thank you for the blessing and opportunity to know the good news of Jesus and the grace of your word that gives us life after death. I pray for anyone here this morning
who's wrestling with the decision just to follow Jesus, that, Lord, that you would just help them take that step of faith and trust you this morning. Lord, I pray for all of us, myself included, in moments where I get so inundated with the pressures of life, the fears of life, that you would cause me to see eternity is forever and the future hope that we have. We have something to look forward to. And in light of that, we would celebrate. We would show joy. We would love joyfully. And we would be the bringers of joy. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.